The idea of jumping out of a perfectly good plane that has no problems and can land without issue confuses me. People do it for a thrill. Some do it professionally. Me? I hope I never have to. But what happens when things don't go to plan or the unexpected happens while on a plane? We'll hear the remarkable stories of people who've fallen or jumped out of a plane without a parachute, or the parachute has failed and survived on this week's episode of Cheeky Tales. That is pretty dark. You know, I've gone skydiving, boy. Have you? I have. That's actually something I don't know about. Oh, that was one of the questions yeah. I've got right here. Look, on my script, I say, banter. Hi, boy. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I always have banter written in under intro music. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I did it when I was 18, oh, I want to say. Hang on, hang on. And then the next line I have, do you want to skydive? Fear of flying. So, yeah. Have, so, you've been skydiving. You're 18. Was it like your 18th present? No, it was a. It was somebody else's birthday, uh, and, and they, they didn't want to go. So here's my present. No, they were like, "I want to go skydiving." And they organised a whole bunch of people to go. Cool. I'm pretty sure you were there. No, you might have been there, but you might not have sky jumped. Sky jumped. All right. No. Sky I dived. literally just said I never want to do it. I was not there, boy. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. That might have been before I met you. It was. Oh, that was pre bromance. Yeah, boy mance. Boy mance. Very good. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, it was uh, it was certainly interesting. I got strapped to a very small Russian man. Okay. Um, <laughs> who, he might have been playing it up for me, but I'm pretty sure he didn't understand some some parts of the English language. Um, Confidence building. Yeah, and like he was tiny. He was like at least maybe only three quarters of my height. So he might have been like five foot-ish. They couldn't see over your shoulder as he strapped to your back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you're in the plane. Just tell me when the ground's getting close. <laughs> when, when you're in the plane. Um, I could just, sorry, mental image. You, you're in the plane. Yeah. Right? You're Luke Skywalker and you got Yoda strapped to your back. <laughs> That's kind of what it felt like. And so we're in the plane and like, it's, it's like you, you're kind of sitting in front of them. You're kind of attached. You're not really. Um, and I'm like, oh. I should ask if it hurts. Like, does it hurt when the parachute goes off? And so I'm like, hey, dude, does it hurt when, a, when the parachute goes off? And he's like, does it what? I'm like, does it hurt? And he looks to the, the guy next to him. He's like, what's he saying? He's like, hurt. Like, does, do, is it painful when it goes off? And he's like, oh, no. I'm like, I don't trust you. And so, yeah, this, this little tiny Russian man bumps me out of the airplane because like he's he's on your back basically, so he's yeah. like thrusting me out of the plane. <laughs> I get to the <laughs> hey. hips, bit of hip thrusting. Yeah, he thrusts me out, <clears throat> and um, <laughs> that was not necessary. <laughs> John, I I bit my lower lip as I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so you watch a whole bunch of people jump out first because like all the individual skydivers dump dive out first. Yeah, um, dump and, out. Yeah, cross dump out. And it was it was my girlfriend at the time's birthday, um, and she and her friend dumped out before me. <laughs> and so, like, you're sitting in this airplane watching like people dive out, yeah. And then your girlfriend gets dumped out, and you're like, "Oh, now it's my turn to dump out." <gasps> 
And this little Russian man thrusts you towards a window. And the first thing they tell you is don't grab onto like the plane. And of course, I get bumped towards the open door of this plane. <laughs> Grab on. Everything. I'm geckoing. I'm just everything. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I'm not supposed to do that. And then you get thrust out of the plane and you're like hanging there by the straps to the guy yep. behind you outside of a plane, like, ah! And then you dive and everything gets forgotten. It's so much fun. Cool. And then you just stare at the ground as it all just shakes. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't really get to see too much or? Oh, you do, but like, you're falling. So, like, you. Did, did you get ground rush? Uh, that's something I don't bring up, but I know apparently it's a thing. Like when you get on the ground, you're like, oh, that was amazing. No, as in it looks like you're really far up and then all of a sudden it's like it, the ground rushes at you. It can't. Uh, like, no, I don't remember that. Because it looks like you're not really falling and then all of a sudden it gets really close. No, I remember that the air was like crazy thick when I got on the ground. Yeah, right. It was like breathing right. soup. Yeah, because it's much thinner up high. Yeah, and because the plane's not pressurized. So you're like. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, that was a long-winded story. No, that was good. Well, that was good. That was part of the, yeah. the band. So what I was going to bring up was- um, The Bengals losing? Uh, no, I wasn't <laughs> going to bring that up. <laughs> Got him. It was related to the episode. Uh, we'll get to that. What I was going to bring up is uh, my drone. Yeah. I, f- I forgot you had a drone. Yeah, I got a little drone. When it's just the perspective is really weird. Like, mm. So um, with- regulations and stuff, it can only go up to 110 metres. Mm. So I take the thing up, I think it's actually 110 feet. Anyway, yeah. I take the thing up, say 100 metres. Stuff is small. Like yeah. 100 metres up is really high. Yeah. But you stand at the end of a football field and you look 100 metres, it's mm. not that far. But 100 metres up, it's so high. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. just the way things change in height. Like, you, like I said, you wouldn't think 100 metres is far. But if I was to show you a picture looking down at like houses and stuff like that. You're just like, whoa. Well, that ruins kind of the rest of the questions I had for you, like times on a plane, stuff like that. You've had a skydiving experience. It's like yeah, perfect for this episode. Yeah. The only thing I can really re- um, relate to is uh, the flying lesson I had for my birthday. Yeah. I want to do A couple years that. ago. I reckon that'd be so fun. So, yeah, it was just an introduction. Was that a couple years ago? Uh, well, it wasn't last birthday. It was a birthday before, so. That feels like. Not that long ago. Yeah, a year and a half ago. Mm. Um, so it's just an introductory flight lesson. You go in and they get you to fly the plane and um, see if you like it. And if you want to come back, it was pretty cool. Mm. That was, yeah. So I had no plans of getting out of that plane. So, but yeah. <laughs> Even when it landed, he's still in it now. <laughs> I wish. I well, wish, there's no face reveal. I wish I could afford to keep doing it. It was really cool. Mm. So, uh, yeah, do you want to get into it? Do you want to hear... Uh, so, well, the structure for today's episode is I have eight. Eight? Shorter stories. That's more than seven. Mm. Shorter stories of the uh, top eight distances people have fallen okay. and survived. Okay. So, a little- Are you going in ascending or descending mm-hmm. list? What a pun. <laughs> uh, I'm going in ascending. Okay. Um, so, the first one. Hang on. I thought you just did your pun. Pull that cord, baby. Yeah, good one. <laughs> the first person we're going to talk about is James Bull. Bull. Yeah. Like bull is in bull with horns? No, B-O-O-L-E, bull. Oh, okay. Uh, he is the lowest distance on my list, coming in at 6,000 feet or 1,829 oh, metres. That's a baby jump. Yeah, what jump did you jump at? 14,000. Yeah, right, okay. Well, we've Big got a- boy jump. We've got some underneath and some over that. Uh, his incident occurred in 2009 
I guess James is one of those people you would consider a professional. Okay. At the time, well, apparently not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, wait, you got uh, the most important rule of skydiving: pull the chute. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard this story? No. <laughs> you are your gut check. I'm is on right. it today. You are right on the money. I'm feeling hot, hot, hot. At the time, he had been involved in the sport for 12 years and completed about 2,500 jumps. And at that time, he was doing Whoa. about four or five jumps a week. That's a lot of jumps. Yeah. Actually, that's one thing I know about like skydivers. They do a lot of jumps. Yeah, they do a lot. Yeah. yeah. James was working on a documentary, filming another person as they jumped. Okay. Um, who he referred to as the athlete. Okay. That's that's literally in the, the research, like when he was telling his story, he just like, Oh, yeah. The was, athlete. Yep, the athlete, the athlete. I'm like, okay, it's weird, but yep. whatever. Moving on. Okay. They were in, oh, this is one of these names. I, already, I forgot. This is because this is the first story I wrote. I forgot. I've got all the other names. Forgotten this one. Kamchatka. 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 You know the place. Well, I don't know it. I just know the name because it's fun. Okay. Kamchatka, Russia. Of course it's Russia. Yeah, known as the land of fire and ice. Okay. This place is covered in snow nine months of the year and has about 40 active volcanoes. Yep. So the plane was, well, actually, I've got plane, (laughs) plane on the mind. So the plan was to jump from a helicopter at 6,000 feet, fly past some columns of steam and open the parachute at about 150 to 200 meters. Okay. That was the plan. All right. Obviously, he's not gone to plan. Yeah, but we wouldn't be talking about this story if, you know, if that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, in an interview, James said he was very focused on filming, having a viewfinder over his left eye. <laughs> he said it was very difficult to gauge distances because he only had one eye and the snow covering the volcanoes, everything was just white. Mm. Like very, I guess very similar to yeah, white our last episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> quite suddenly, he said, he noticed the texture of the snow and ice, meaning he only, about, only had about two or three seconds left before hitting the ground. Oh, geez. So as he's looking, he's, Suddenly gone, I can see the texture of the snow and ice. Crap, I'm really low. Okay. He guessed- How did he not, like when the other people, because the other people pulled their shoot, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the athlete pulled his shoot. And- Why did he not just go, all right, time to pull the shoot? Uh, I guess he was filming the athlete and then as he's gone off, he's continued to film like the, the, the steams of ice, the, steam, the columns of steam. and Right, okay. Um, <clears throat> he guessed he was- So there's about- a video of this. Actually, I never looked that up. But there, there must should be. be. Yeah. Unless the camera was destroyed. Yeah. Which is quite possible. Uh, he guessed he was about 20 meters off the ground. He then described that terror gripped his heart and stomach. You know that feeling? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's an awful feeling. Mm-hmm. And he had a clear thought about his wife and three month old daughter and became overwhelmed with sadness as he felt the parachute lift from his back. He had opened it instinctively, like when you slam on the brakes of a car. Yeah. He experienced a brief sense of hope and thought, <laughs> this is going to hurt a lot or it's not going to hurt at all. Yeah. The parachute barely unfurled and swung his leg up, legs up above his body like a child on a swing. And then he impacted the ground, which sent him unconscious for a few seconds. Ass first. Ass first. <laughs> <laughs> he broke his ass, didn't he? <laughs> he's broken his ass. Not quite. Oh, okay. Not quite. He's, he's landed on his back, but yeah. Yep. So like when the kids swing and the legs go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, his feet are pointing to the sky and he's impacted actually on his back. Yeah, butt first. Yeah. As he opened his eyes, he just uh, described two emotions flooded him. Elation for surviving, then black, jagged, jagged fear. Yeah. He was certain he had broken his back. 
Yeah, of as course. he felt immense pain in his spine. Yeah. So there was a bunch of people there, crew members, mountain guides, and um, the mountain guides were the ones trained in first aid, and a stretcher was also present. A uh, helicopter was sent to pick him up, but it took a little while for it to find a safe spot to land nearby. Yeah. James had made a one-meter deep crater in the snow. Ooh. Uh, he began to get very cold, and one of his lungs had started filling with blood. Okay, as you might expect. At this point, he thought he was going to die again and yep. decided to give a message to one of the crew who spoke the best English to, okay. to pass on to his family. It took another hour to get to the local hospital where a diagnosis wasn't possible and then another <laughs> nine hours to get to Moscow where a CT scan was possible. There, it was confirmed his back was indeed broken, but the good news here was that the fracture was stable and there was no neural damage. After flying back to the UK for the rest of his treatment, he was up and walking a week later and just over a little six months from that, he was back to jumping out of, out of planes. Wow. And to think it was just he forgot. He was preoccupied. Yeah. Carried away doing something else. Wow. That is, that's, remind us, that's something we have to look up at the end of the episode if there is video of it. Yeah, that's for sure. Honestly, something I never did. So that was, yeah, that was number eight. That was the bottom one. Was it? It was James, right? James, yep. James, the ass first skydiver. <laughs> Oh, you're funny. You're going to love the next one too. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, actually, I'm going to skip the seventh highest one now. Okay. Because uh, it's a- Womp womp. It's a really interesting story. So big finish and all. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. Uh, going to go to Christine McKenzie. Okay. A uh, little title there. I've got each each little section is the name of the person. So I've got some titles. Adam. So yeah, Adam, last week when I said John will definitely get titles, I was right. Yeah. They're just names. But and everyone, if you could flood socials with <laughs> Adam was right. Adam was right. <laughs> Hashtag Adam was right. So Christine McKenzie has a very similar story to James. Yeah. She was skydiving at Johannesburg Skydiving Club in 2004 when her parachute failed. She fell from 11,000 feet or 3,350 meters. Soft. Jump from 14 or nothing. <laughs> I guess it's different over there or who knows. So did you jump out of a plane or a helicopter? Plane. Plane, right, yep. So she was trying to, uh, she was actually trying out the sitting position on this jump. Okay. Now- I, What I, is the sitting position? Well, I looked this up because I figured you were going to ask. Apparently it builds up a lot of speed. Well, yeah, because it sounds like you're just balling yourself up. Uh, well, you're actually just sitting. Uh, so they say terminal velocity of a person is about 120 miles per hour or 193 kilometers an hour. Yeah. Uh, and that's in the arch position, which I'm assuming you would have done, you know, like belly first, your yeah, arms yeah. are out. Uh, that is the normal position you see people skydive because, well, uh, it's the easiest to keep stable. You've got to be yeah. like- um, It was actually surprisingly easy to maneuver in the air. Yeah. You just uh, like turn your arms a bit and yeah, yep. you move. So, um, yeah. So you got to be like, I guess, symmetrical. So you're not spinning in the yeah. air. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, you spin fast if you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, that's why, yeah, that's what the arch position is for. Yeah. It's the most stable position. So the sitting position is actually um, an advanced technique because okay. it's much harder to get to symmetrical. And, yeah. But it also increases your speed from 10 to 20%. So taking that velocity up to around 140 miles per hour. Mm, yes, because speed is what you want when you're plummeting mm. towards the uh, the planet. Yeah, so just imagine you're like sitting on the toilet and you've, Braced your arms out because you, you've got a big one coming. That's the position while you're plumbing. So you're dumping to, out while you fall. Yep. Yeah. Dumping out while you dump. Dump your dump. So Christine had just jumped from the 3,350 metres. Yeah. 
and she left the sitting position and flattened out at about 1,800 meters and de- deployed her chute at 1,100 meters because there's that time to so a kilometer slow up. down. Yep. Except her main chute failed. Okay. She said she looked up and there was just nothing there. Now, normally you'd cut away from that and deploy your reserve chute, but Christine decided to pull her reserve first and let her main clear. Uh-oh. Now, I'm not sure if this made a difference in what happened next, but the force of the reserve opening caused some of the lines to snap and others to twist, and now she was spiraling out of control towards the ground. Mm. Uh, she actually actually come down, she hit some power lines. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, Zippy zap. And some people who were driving past saw her come down, hit the lines, and decided to stop and assist. I don't actually think she got shocked. She just, just kind of like hit some Oh, lines. I might have just hit like single line. Yeah, hit, hit some lines. Uh, the man was quite amazed to find Christine alive and conscious when she when he got there. Uh, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't you be? Yeah, see someone fall from the sky, you're like oh no, no that's a, yep. I'm and then you, see a pancake. Then you get there and you're like, oh g'day, oh hey, oh hey, what's up? <laughs> Christine said she had a uh, similar thoughts to to James. Yeah, as she fell, thinking about her family and fiance, which fiance. I, fiance. Oh, I thought there was more to that word. You just kind of like half cut the word. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess that's just, that's really only natural, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and while lying on the ground, she too thought she was going to die, but she was taken to hospital for x-rays and amazingly, she only suffered a hairline fracture on her pelvic bone. Broke her ass. <laughs> Christine- I feel like there's a theme to these stories uh, and it's ass breaking. Well, there's a lot of ass breaking, really. Christine <laughs> gave up skydiving after this and a couple of months it's later, smart. she got married. Yeah, good on her. They cancelled their plans on an adventure-filled honeymoon of skydiving <laughs> and cage diving with great white sharks. And they hid in a bunker. And Christine spoke to her fiancé and asked, do you mind if we just do romantic dinners instead? Mm. And he was like, oh, okay. Uh, no, he was very accommodating. Yeah, I'm sure he would have been. <laughs> he was also a skydiver as well, so. Okay. All right. Next person. I don't know why I'm getting rid of that page because it's still on the bottom of the page. Boy, Bear yes. Grylls makes the list. Does he? Yeah. I was talking about Bear Grylls today. I don't ever talk about Bear Grylls. For him to come up twice in a day is phenomenal. <laughs> and no, it wasn't while filming one of his episodes of episodes of Man vs. Wild. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Bear comes in at number five. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to call him Bear. That's yeah. his name. Grillsy. Or, or, or should I just call him Grillsy or Mr. Grills? The barbecue. Because <laughs> he grills. Yeah, we got it. Thanks. Thanks for explaining. So he comes, all part of the nickname. You have to explain the whole nickname in the nickname. Okay. Grillsy. <laughs> so Grillsy comes in at number five with yep. a height of 16,000 feet or 4,900 Okay. So he's, he's, he's hit big boy jumps. He's hit big boy jumps. <laughs> this was back in his SAS days in 1996. Yeah. Grillsy and a few of his mates were out on R&R doing some skydiving when his parachute ripped and malfunctioned. Oh, no, not the barbecue. At 16,000 feet. Yeah. He landed in South in the South African sand on his back. Oof. Which still had the reserve chute packed in because he yeah. thought he had time to fix the problem. Okay. He broke his back in three places and spent Oof. the next year in and out of rehab recovering. The surgeon said Grillsy had come within a whisker of being paralyzed yeah. for life. There wasn't too much to his story. It's just his yeah. chute failed and he thought At least he, could he didn't f- break his ass. No. His chute failed and he thought he could fix Man, it and he We couldn't. got that close. To not having, having Man vs. Wild. Yeah. And by extension, me never making the barbecue joke. <laughs> Man. So wings of a butterfly. There's a little bit more to the story. Um, and this is gonna start to become 
What I'm hearing already is that it's surprisingly easy to not die when you fall out of a plane. Well, these are only eight people. I don't have the statistics on how many people have. Well, yeah, I mean, like eight is still more than I would have expected, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, true, true. Uh, so this thing that's about to start happening is actually, there's quite a lot of these stories that- half, Where they break their ass. No, yeah. the most, not I wouldn't say the most interesting, but as equally interesting as falling out of a plane and surviving okay. is what they do afterwards, what happens afterwards. Okay. One of them became Bear Grylls. Yeah. So amazingly though, only two years after Grylls' incident, mm. he climbed Mount Everest. Good on him. And became the youngest Brit to ever do it. And he almost died there too. I'm starting to think maybe <laughs> this is not the guy that we should be taking survival advice from. What? what he's when su- you fall out of a plane. He survived Just twice. hit the ground. It's easy. <laughs> on your back. <laughs> All you got to do is nothing. <laughs> the, the website I got the information from- um, it was actually like five times Bear Grylls has almost died. Number one was the fall. Number two was the Everest. <laughs> how, how is it that that's not more well known that he survived falling out of a plane? Yeah, I, know, I didn't know until I looked this up either. Like, why is that not part of his title? Bear Grylls survived falling out of a plane. I'd tell everyone. I actually don't think he likes talking about it too much because yeah. he made such a silly mistake when not pulling his reserve chute. Okay. So I, I quickly um, cap over the Everest story here. Yeah. Um, it was the final leg of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh, four members of his team had already perished. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And Bear- Four people died on this climb. Yep. Was this in 98? Yes. Yeah. 98 was the year that a whole bunch of people died up there. Yep. Uh, and Grillsy was severely dehydrated and was blind from an intense migraine. How do I not know that Grillsy was up there for this year as well? Like, why is that not part of it? Like, I, this I is know. a- 98's a real, I think it's 98, well, is think, like a really well-known year on Everest. Yeah, at that time, statistically, one in six climbers died on the final leg. Yeah, it was really bad back then. But yeah, he was blind from a migraine and was really badly dehydrated. Yeah, 1998, oh, it was 96 Mount Everest disaster. Oh, okay. Mm. But yeah, it was still, like I said, one in six people at that time in the final leg. Like a lot of people get up to that final camping area. Yeah. Uh, it's just that final summit. I reckon Everest probably is going to come up as an episode at some point. It's I was literally just thinking I might do the 96 Everest disaster. Well, there you go. Trailer for a future episode. Yeah. I've also got an episode idea from Jazz, who you may remember from being mentioned a lot. Uh, James Cook, Bastard. Is that it? You just got the title? Yeah. Okay. As in like the proper terminology for Bastard or just- No, just- A prick. Yeah, he's a bit of a bastard. Okay. Well, we look forward to finding out. Yeah, see if I can find enough of a story about it. Haven't looked into it at all yet. Just know the ending. Okay, so the next three people, boy, mm-hmm. are all World War II airmen. Okay. The first, the fourth highest distance of 18,000 feet or 5,500 metres, five and a half k's, is Nicholas Ackermade. Okay. Nicholas was a tail gunner in an Avro Lancaster Mark II in the British RAF. Mm-hmm. You know what a Lancaster is? The bomber. Yes, it is. Hot bomber summer. Hey, got it. Uh, the crew of this bomber <laughs> had nicknamed the plane Werewolf. Okay. No relevance to the story. It only came out at night? Uh, it did, did most- it fight with a vampire to try and get the love of a 16-year-old? No, it did no. Um, do most of its missions at night time. Okay. And there's no relevance to the story. I just thought that was a really cool name for a plane. Was that plane hot without a shirt on? No. I'm just making Twilight references okay. if you haven't got it. No. Okay. I hate Twilight. Please. Team Edward. I don't know what that means. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I do not. I've seen your Edward Cullen tattoo. <laughs> Poking through your shirt that Stop day. It. <laughs> Just big back tattoo. <laughs> it's a full back piece with yeah. F Jacob on the bottom. 
Um, this isn't a joke. This is legitimate. Oh, shut up. <laughs> so Werewolf and its crew had made 14 successful bombing raids and on the 24th of March, 1944, they were part of a bombing raid targeting Berlin. Yeah. They delivered their payload and on the return trip home, heavy winds blew them off course mm-hmm. and they ended up flying over the Ruhr region, which had a very high concentration of anti-aircraft defences. Oh, jeez. Werewolf was attacked by a German fighter plane and its fuselage and wing were damaged heavily. And to make matters worse, the plane also caught on fire. You know what really impresses me about that? That you were able to say that whole sentence on the first go. Good job, boy. <laughs> Thanks, boy. <laughs> first try. First try. Like, I, I know it's a weird thing to call out, but just I'm proud of you. <laughs> Dog seat. <laughs> oh, now I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Werewolf was beyond saving and the pilot ordered the crew to grab their parachutes and bail out. Nicholas was all the way in the back of the plane and as he reached for his parachute, his rubber oxygen mask started melting onto his face Ugh. and his arms started getting singed by the flames. So you, you got to remember that most of the crew of the plane are at the front, mm. like your pilot, co-pilot, navigator. Yeah. you probably got a front gunner. Top gunner, maybe a belly gunner as well. Yeah. Um, the tail gunner. Where are they? He's in the tail. But there's like that whole section wow. in the middle with like the bomb section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fuel. The, yeah, this, well, the fuel's usually in the wings. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's in the middle. Yeah. So he's he's quite a distance away from everyone else. Yeah. Um, he did manage to grab his uh, parachute. Yep. But to his horror, 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 it, like everything else, was on fire. Yeah, that's not what you want, is it? So at this point, Nicholas had a terrible choice to make. Yeah. Burn alive on the plane or jump. Yeah, you're bailing out, aren't you? Obviously, he jumped and as he plummeted to earth, looking back at the burning plane, background by a starry sky, he lost consciousness. Okay. I put that in. That's how you want to go. Yeah, I put that in because he he made a, there was a note that he was looking at the plane and he could see it. It was a beautiful starry sky and he had this like burning plane going through it. Kind of makes a nice bit of a. Imagery, apart from the yeah. people dying. And and then he went limp. Yep. And then he lost consciousness. Nicholas woke up about three hours later laying in deep snow in the middle of a pine forest. It seems the young, flexible pine trees had slowed him down enough that the snow was able to cushion his fall. I really thought you were going to say, I really thought you were going to say the young, flexible gunner. <laughs> <laughs> Just whoop, whoop, whoop. Cha-cha-cha. Injuries? Okay. I'm going to have a stab at his Did injuries. Did he break his ass? Uh, No. Wow, what a strong ass. Apart from some burns. Titanium ass. Yeah, apart from some burns, he only suffered a sprained knee. No broken bones. Wow. But his ordeal wasn't over, as he just landed in Germany during the middle of the war. Do you reckon anybody believed him? He's like, no, I swear, I had no parachute. They're like, oh, where's your injuries, Boy, champ? You, you are on fire. Yeah. I'm about to get to that. He was able to attract the attention of some locals by blowing his distress whistle <laughs> and was taken to a local hospital. Yep. There, he was treated for his wounds, and when he was well enough, he was interrogated by the Gestapo. Yeah. As they refused to believe he could survive a fall from a height without a parachute. Yeah. So they didn't believe him, like you just said. The Gestapo never believed. They believed uh, he buried his parachute somewhere, and they thought he was a spy. That was until they sent some people to investigate the wreckage of the werewolf, finding the remains of Nicholas' parachute there. Okay. So then the Germans actually gave him a certificate to verify his story. They gave him like a certificate of authenticity to say, this really happened to you. That's so weird. Unexpected. I know, it, right? That's so weird. Nine. We do not believe you. Oh, oh, is true? Oh, I have a certificate. Yeah, they gave him a certificate. 
Um, and he actually became a bit of a celebrity and met with a number of Luftwaffe officers who wanted to hear about his miraculous jump. So unexpected from Germans yeah. at that time. However- To be like, oh, let's talk to this bloke that fell out of a plane. Yeah, I, I believe he was taken to some parties like where the officers were some doing- Some parties? Yeah. He was taken out of the prisoner camp that he was kept in. It is the man with the titanium ass. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say that. However, this didn't grant him any special treatment. He was sent to the notorious prison- Starlag Luft 3. Yeah. Like every other captured Allied airman. Um, and it was eventually repatriated in May of 1945. Mm. Apparently this um, prison was pretty bad. They took all their captured airmen and they'd send them out in marches in negative 22 degrees. Yeah, it's very typical of the- And stuff like that. But yeah, he, he had to do all that and he survived all that. Yeah. Um, but he was also taken to like these places to meet with these German Luftwaffe officials and tell the story so of weird. his jump and- why the certificate? I have no idea. Yeah. I read that. I was like, I, what? Yeah. Coming in at number three on the highest fall. Mm. From a height of, that really sounds like a game show host, from a height of 22,000 feet or 6,700 metres, is American airman Alan McGee. Alan, like Nicholas, was a gunner, but he was in a B-17 flying fortress. Mm, great name. Great name. The flying fortress. Yeah, well, it, it, it was a flying fortress. Yeah, I know, like I, yeah, cheers. Yeah, that's why it's called that. Yeah, like I get it's, it. It's, 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 just a, it's an great apt name. description. Great name. Alan was a ball gunner, though, so he was on the bottom of the plane. A what? A ball gunner. A ball gunner. Yes, it's the, the one underneath the belly. A Ball gunner. Well, it's a ball. It's shaped like a ball underneath the- A gunner of balls. Yes. Okay. Carry on. Go on. Make your dirty joke here. I don't think I need to. I think it speaks for itself. Okay. The best jokes go unexplained. All right. The B-17 is a massive bomber. Yeah. Classed as a heavy bomber. The Lancaster I mentioned- Bomber. Bomber. That one's for sure. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. You just said it. The Lancaster I mentioned before is a twin-engine medium bomber and the B-17 has four engines and could carry 8,000 pounds of bombs for shorter-range missions and four to 6,000 for longer-range missions. Just a bit of interesting fact. It's 8,000 pounds of bombs. That's a lot. That's a lot of bomb. Yeah. Just quickly, Sean really fucking hates bomb that. Oh, really? <laughs> so I'm really glad that just got in. <laughs> like, he hates it. <laughs> we used to say it all the time. Yeah. So on the 3rd of January, 1943, Alan on board the codenamed Snap, Crackle and Pop B-17. I've heard of that one. Have you? Yeah. How come? I just, I, I know the name. Okay. It, um, I don't have it written down, but it's called Snap, Crackle and Pop because I believe Alan worked in a catalog, uh, Kellogg's, Kellogg's factory. factory. Mm. Mm. Do you know the, the story of cornflakes? Yes. It was what invented to stop people masturbating. Masturbating, yeah. yeah. Can't believe that's true. I can't believe that's true either. Yeah. Like how wild is that? Yeah, so weird. Stop jacking it. Hey, this stuff's delicious. Yeah. What, how, how was that meant to work? Yeah, I, I don't know. All right, we might have to do a little bit episode. Little bit. Little bit. <laughs> so uh, where was I? Snap, Crackle and Pop launched for their seventh mission. Uh, they were to make a bombing run on the town of Saint-Nazaire in Western France. As they flew over, the plane came under heavy anti-aircraft fire and Alan's ball turret became inoperable. So he decided to climb out and into the main fuselage. Got out of the ball. Yep. Got out of the ball. As he did this, he noticed his parachute had become damaged and he con- and continued further up into the plane. So I believe it's a bit, oh, 
Hang on. I'm going to have to put this down for a second. I'm going to have to try and give you a description of the ball gunner. Paint me a word picture, boy. So the way the ball gunner sits in the turret. Yep. He's he's laying on his back, kind of almost like in a fetal position with his back towards the ground. And the gun is like along his belly and going out between his feet out, right? Yep. And his arms are like 90 degrees up. Yep. And that's where the trigger is up there. Okay. But he's looking along, like down his belly, because that's where the sight for the gun yeah. is. It's an awkward position. Yeah, that seems very awkward. Yeah, and the gun would, you know, it could f- turn left and right, up and down, yeah. type of thing like that. Does he spin around with it? Yeah. Okay. Um, his parachute is on his belly. Yeah. So when it got hit, and I, that, that's when the parachute was damaged, when the okay. turret became inoperable. It, there's a picture. Because we got so many different stories, I don't know how many pictures I'm going to be able yeah. to post up. But Four. Yeah, it, this one might be the pitch, oh. one of the pictures I post. I don't know. Yeah, Twitter Twitter can only take four. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Screw Twitter. <laughs> Go on, have your Twitter rant. Only four. Why only four? Like, I get the character limit. Why a picture limit? That right. doesn't make any sense. We might just have to have a Twitter thread with all the pictures on this one, maybe. I'm thinking about ditching Twitter, to be honest. Really? It's so annoying. Character limit as well. Oh, anyway, all right. Twitter can stay. <laughs> Twitter's still big in the US and we want the US uh, marketing budgets. So so he's, he's climbing up out of the, the turret and he's yep. um, going further into the plane. And yep. at that moment, black fire hit the bomber again. Okay. Uh, this effectively ripped off the entire right wing. Oh, jeez. Causing the plane to lose internal pressure. Yeah. This caused Alan to pass out from lack of oxygen and it also caused him to be thrown out of the plane. Man, like I've said it before, war is awful, but like, Stories like this are just bonkers. Oh, yeah. Like, you just get sucked out of a plane. It's about to get worse. I would think so. He's probably going to break his ass. Uh, I believe he was out cold the entire fall. Yeah. But where did he land? Any guesses? We've had a bit of a theme going lately. Uh, in snow. Yeah, no, he didn't. In someone's house. Nope. In a big pie. Alan crashed, actually cra- <clears throat> Alan actually crashed through the glass ceiling of St. Nazir train station. Wow. The glass shattering ultimately saved his life because it kind of like dispersed the energy. Yeah. So someone's there waiting to catch the 9.15 train to mm. work or something. So uh, this wasn't- Boom. This was in a separate one I read, but there's like, a, I think it was like a, a pitched glass ceiling and it had a bunch of metal girders. So he's gone through the glass and apparently you got, I was under, when I first read it, he was on the train station. Yeah. No, apparently he was still up in the metal girders as well. Oh, right. So he's gone through the glass ceiling and then in the metal girders. Right. Oh, jeez. Unlike the other stories we've heard so far, Alan was badly injured. Well, yeah. He had sustained 28 shrapnel wounds while in the plane before he even was thrown out from from the flak fire. Yeah. Um, And then falling through glass, I'm sure, didn't help. And then as for injuries from the fall, he had several broken bones, severe facial injuries, including his nose and eyes. Oh, not the eyes. Internal damage to his lungs and kidneys, and okay. his right arm was nearly detached entirely. Oh, not what you want at all. But he was alive. Okay. He too was captured by the Germans and spent the next two years recovering from his injuries before being released in May of 1945. Okay. And I couldn't actually find it, but I wonder if... Do you reckon they started, like, collecting them? They're like, get these people to a party. Well, I'm wondering if it was the same prison. Because they were yeah. both released in May of 1945. Yeah. I wonder if they knew each other because that would be quite incredible. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, they must have put them together at some point. I mean, like, here's our two plane fall survivors. Yeah. I, could, I honestly couldn't find anything. But I wonder if he got a certificate. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, 
That's lame. <laughs> well, not that I found anyway. Um, Germany at it again. Let me just show you a quick picture, boy. I don't know if this will make it in, but I think there's like a diagram of what he looked like after the fall because I said he had severe facial injuries. Am I going to be grossed out? That doesn't look so bad. Yeah, but you can, like, there's scars in his eyes. Are yeah. Weird and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not going to include that because some of the images I found is like, it's like an art thing. Yeah. But then it was like that image was also on some of the stories yeah. of him. So I don't know if he did the art or if that's what he looked <laughs> like or, but anyway, just for your knowledge, that's how the ball gunner. Oh, okay. Yeah, that doesn't look comfy at all. <laughs> That looks awful. And I assume they've got to be there for like the whole flight. Well, yeah, you imagine like they might be there for a couple of hours. Oh, no, thank you. All right, boy, we're at number two. Three stories to go, but we're at number two high. Okay. Number two highest. It number is- two highest. And the last of our World War II servicemen is Ivan... Moat? No. Oh. Kizov? I think okay. C-H-I-S-O-V. Kizov? C-H-I. Chizov? It, I don't think it's Chizov. I think it's Kizov. C-H-I-S-O-V. Yeah, Chizov, sure. Anyway, I'm going to just call him Shivov. Just going to call him Ivan from now on. He fell from 23,000 feet or 7,000 meters. That's pieces. a long way. It's a long way. This one happened in January 1942 when Ivan, a navigator on an Elysian Il bomber, yep. uh, a twin engine bomber similar to the Lancaster, was yep. ambushed by Luftwaffe fighters. The bomber was wrecked and immediately started spinning out of control, so the crew bailed out and about at, at about 23,000 feet. Ivan was wearing his parachute but didn't pull the cord out of fears that a German pilot might think he was an easy target and shoot him as he slowly drifted down defenceless underneath his canvas parachute. Yeah, I can imagine that fear. Is that coming through? It probably will, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Over your voice. So he decided he would wait until he was below the ongoing air battle, but unfortunately he passed out due to lack of oxygen. Oh, Uh, Wow. Because of the height he was. Yeah. So he just continued all the way down unconscious until he hit the edge of a snowy ravine at terminal velocity, which, as I said earlier, was uh, is between- So he actually hit the ground at full speed. Yeah, between 120 to 140 miles per hour. So he kind of like hit the edge of the snowy ravine. Um, Again, the snow, he was able to dissipate enough of the impact to keep him alive. And he bounced from the ravine's edge and slid, rolled and plowed his way to the bottom of the ravine. So I guess he's kind of like maybe hit. So he hit the ground running. Kinda. <laughs> kinda. Ran down the side. Yeah, kinda hit down on the side and yeah, slid all the way down to the bottom. Oh, so it's like a really sick slip and slide. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Unconscious, remember. Wish I'd been conscious. I reckon that's probably half the reason some of these people survive because they were unconscious. They oh, might, yeah. Yeah. That's why drunk people survive like car yeah. crashes and stuff all the time because they're floppy. I don't uh, know what's happening. There were some nearby cavalrymen who saw Ivan fall and rushed to his aid. Again, they were surprised to find him alive and still wearing his unopened parachute. Ivan also suffered severe injuries, including spinal damage and a broken pelvis. He broke his ass. There you go. He was operated on. alarm. He was operated <laughs> on by a surgeon. Sorry, what did they operate on? It just operated on him. On his ass. Yeah, probably. Cool. By sur- by surgeon <laughs> Y. Gudinski. Okay. And- y. Gudinski, indeed. Mm. Why and, not Badinsky? And he was Thank cons- you, folks. I'll be here all year. <laughs> That's some great A comedy. And he was considered to be in a critical condition for the next month. Yeah, you would expect so. That was a good joke, by the way, boy. Thanks, boy. Just want to stop and point that out. Thanks, man. I love those memes, actually. Yeah. Like like what the joke you just made, like Reese, Reese with Reese, a spoon. Reese without then, a spoon. Yeah. yeah. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Love it. 
Uh, despite his injuries, three months later, Ivan was back flying missions against the Germans. Three months? Yeah. Wow. That's what I think. Half the things what would they do afterwards is just like- Yeah. Oh. He ended up flying uh, over 70 missions over the course of his career, which ended in 1961. Okay. Wow. I broke my finger and I wasn't doing anything <laughs> for three months. This guy, after three months of falling from, what did I say it was? 23,000 feet? Yeah. Was back flying planes against wow. the Germans. I mean, I guess that's wartime for you. Just nuts. Bonkers. And like, like we're a soft generation. <laughs> well, yeah. I got nothing. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Like, there's no question about it. We are going to pop back up, no pun intended, to position seventh on the list. This is the uh, second last one? Uh, this is the second last story, but okay. the second lowest altitude. So he's gained altitude by having a good story. Yes. I said he, but they. You're correct, because it is a she. Oh. Uh, I just find this story truly amazing. Okay. Not that the others weren't. Yeah. So it's a 30,000 foot equivalent story. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then we'll finish with the world record height. Okay. On Christmas Eve, it's really 19- not a world record you want. <laughs> yeah, but it, they are credited in the Guinness Book. Yeah. World. Yep. On Christmas, we'll get to that. On Christmas, It'll take a bold person to try and beat it. <laughs> the, well, you know the old mate who jumped out of the helicopter, sure, and landed in the net. Yeah. That was only at twenty three thousand. Only. Well, only, but I'm not the world yeah. record. Why would you even bother? I don't know. I have no idea. That's it was so stupid what he did. If anyway. you're not going to set the world record, why bother? Yeah. Well, we might as well bring it up now since we're talking about it. He did that on purpose. He jumped out of a plane, or was it a helicopter, without a parachute yeah. on purpose and landed in a net. I'm sure you've seen that video. Maybe you can put that video in the, yeah. in the link tree. Makes no sense. I concur. So on Christmas Eve, 1971, flight. Christmas oh, Eve? Yes. Christmas miracle. Yeah. I, rec- I think you actually know this story. We'll get on it. Flight 508. A Lockheed L-188A was scheduled to fly from Peru- the Peruvian capital, Lima, to Pucallaba. I do know this one. Taking 17-year-old Julian Capocci yep. and her mother to visit Julian's father. The route would take the plane uh, 493 kilometres northeast over the Amazon rainforest, and at about midday, the plane entered a dark cloud and was struck by lightning. Normally, planes being struck by lightning is harmless, but in this case, the plane's engine caught fire. Uh, this is from an interview with Julianne in 2012. The plane jumped down and went into a nosedive. It was pitch black and people were screaming. Then the deep roaring of engines filled my head completely. Suddenly the noise stopped and I was outside the plane. I was in free fall, strapped to my seat bench and hanging head over heels. The whispering of the wind was the only noise I could hear. You said that earlier that when you were skydiving, it was was it, was it loud or was it just like... I said that it, like everything was shaking. Yeah. But- yeah, it's loud. It's loud, like yeah. just the wind rushing over you. Like, yeah. think you're driving your car at 100 k's an hour, stick your head out the window and see what that sounds like. Or just with all the windows like. down, I suppose. Yeah, and imagine you're going twice as fast. It, it's, yeah, there's a lot of noise. So she was thrown from the plane, still strapped into her window seat. I'm going to stay out of the way of this story because, yeah, this one's crazy. All right, so, so just, just forge ahead. She's flying over the Amazon. Yeah. Lightning strikes a plane. Yeah. Engine catches fire. Something happens to the plane. Blows up. Something rips apart. She gets thrown out. In her seat. In her seat. So she's still strapped in her seat. In the whole row. Free falling. Yep. This, like I said, this happened at about 10,000 feet. So that's the height we're at. We're at 10,000 feet uh, or 3,048 meters. Like a lot of people we've talked about, Julianne blacked out. But it wasn't from lack of oxygen. It was from the rapid spinning. Yeah. So she's just, you said you spin fast. 
I'm assuming because it's what the seat's not symmetrical. She is yeah. just what's the word I'm looking for? What's the rotation? Her rotation uh, centrifugal. Her RPMs are just yes, revs, revs. Yep, reps, revs. Uh, she crashed through the 30 meters of thick branches and leaves of the Amazon rainforest canopy, and the seat broke her fall. She had survived, only suffering a broken collarbone, swollen eye, a torn ACL, and partially fractured shin, and some cuts on her arms and legs. Another titanium ass. <laughs> she spent a day slipping in and out of consciousness, and then for hours after that, not being able to stand because she was still very dizzy. So she must have been spinning a lot for it to be a whole day, yeah. and then a couple of hours, still too dizzy to stand. Do you remember... That video of the chicken getting airlifted by the helicopter. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> like, I know that she had a terrible experience and she was really badly injured from that. But everyone who's seen the video. Really, really funny. <laughs> Is that another Linktree video? We yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to remember this. As she came to, she realised the situation she was in. She was in the middle of the Amazon. She had lost her glasses, one of her sandals, and was wearing a sleeveless mini dress. Not exactly jungle attire. No. But Julianne may have just been the only 17-year-old on the planet that could survive this. Her father was a famed biologist and her mother was a barrier-breaking orthion- orthodontist. No. Oh. Orthopedic or- surgeon? Ornithologist. Okay. Ornithologist. I was meant to look that up and I haven't. So let's do that now. Is it plants? Uh, no, that's a botanist, isn't it? Ornithologist. Yes, ornithologist. Okay, Google. What's an ornithologist? Most likely that won't have been picked up, but it was a person who studies birds. I don't know why I don't know that. Yeah, why don't you know that? You're a bird guy. I know. I don't know. Well, I, I know that now. You're a bird boy. I'm going to get hammered with bird advertising now. <laughs> hammered. <laughs> Let me know if there's any good deals. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's going to be the dumbest stuff. Before the crash, she had spent a year and a half at her parents' research station, so she knew a lot about the rainforest. Yeah. One of the things she would do... Um, as she attempted to walk out of the forest, which made her progress slow, was every few steps she would stop and throw her remaining sandal at the ground to frighten away any snakes or anything that could harm her. Smart move. It is quite smart. Maybe we should be getting survival tips from her and not Bear Grylls. Yeah, Bear Grylls. She also, fair, they've both survived plane issues. Yep. So. She also found a bag of lollies. Okay. Which would be the only food she would eat for the next 10 days. What, um, what lollies? Do you know? No. Oh. Didn't say. You know, say ringing endorsement for them. <laughs> uh, Let's just say Alan's snakes. Because it's yeah. the Amazon. Sure. Not because they're like quite feasibly a company that could hear this and oh, okay. might want to get involved. Alan's red frogs. Is yeah. It? Yep. Uh, she followed the advice of her father. Yep. Which was, if you find a creek, follow it because it will lead you to a stream and a stream will lead you to a river. And that's where you will find help. And she did just that. She came across a large river to which she actually walked in because it helped her avoid most of the difficult terrain of the rainforest. But it came with its own challenges. Crocodiles, crocodiles. for example. Yep, for example. Yep. She said I think she- I'd take the rainforest over the crocodiles. Oh, I don't know. She said she saw a few of them enter the water as she approached. Um, and, and then she said she believed that crocodiles didn't really attack humans, which for they us absolutely living- absolutely do. For us living in Australia and especially yeah. people in northern Queensland. Yeah, they, they absolutely-, absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway- she got through it. Uh, speaking of the wildlife, she was surprised at how tame the animals were around her, deers and monkeys, etc. Okay. But that also troubled her because the animals didn't know what humans look like 
which made her think that there wasn't really- Anyone nearby. Correct. Yeah. For the first few days, Julianne could hear search planes, but due to the thick forest canopy, they were unable to see her. Yeah, of course. After a few days, she stopped hearing them. At one point too, the gash on her arm, like I said, you know, she's got some cuts and yeah. scratches. From yeah. the, yep. Uh, it became infected and a fly had laid eggs in it and oh. maggots had began to began eating her flesh. Isn't that not a bad thing in some circumstances? Yeah, I guess not because it's they're actually eating the dead tissue, which is yeah. probably a good part. Because yeah, maggots don't eat live tissue, I believe. It's only dead tissue. Yeah. Like I know it's super gross, but it's mm. apparently not too bad. Uh, on day 10, she was quite weak and fell asleep by a riverbed. And as she woke up, she saw an empty boat and started making her way towards it. From there, she found a path that led up to an empty hut and a barrel of diesel. Again, knowledge from her father, she knew to pour the diesel on her wound, which was quite painful, but it brought the maggots to the surface where she was able to pick them out. Yeah. She considered taking the boat to find help, but she didn't want to steal it. So What a, what a legend. I know. So she decided to stay in the hut for the night. Okay. Uh this is a side note. In that part of Peru, locals believed in water spirits called Yamanja. Okay. According to the folklore, the Yamanja are pale and blonde, unlike almost anybody else in that part of the country. So when their lumber workers came through the clearing and they saw Julianne, they thought they were seeing a water spirit because, you know, she's just been in the jungle for yeah, 10 days. And she's all Young, filthy. blonde. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the workers gave her food and cared for her wounds and took her to a nearby village where she was able to be flown to Pukalapa. Out to be reunited with her father. While in hospital, authorities actually came and asked Julianne for directions to the crash site because it still wasn't found, to which she was able to do. Wow. Out of the 91 people on board, she was the only survivor. Jeez. Pretty incredible, like. Uh, yeah. 17-year-old girl in the middle of Not the Not only does she survive a freaking plane crash. Yeah. She then survives. Well, she didn't even survive the plane crash. She was just, she survived. Yeah, she survived oh. being ejected from a plane yeah. crash. And then survives 10 days in the forest with just some snakes, some Alan snakes. <laughs> um, Alan snakes, they'll keep you alive. Um, Alan snakes, recommended by 9 out of 10 doctors. <laughs> Alan snakes, proven by the Amazon. Um, all those are free to be used uh, with royalties. Um, <laughs> so they're not free to be used. They're not free at all. Pay me big bucks, please, Alan's, Alan's confectionery company. I would like royalties. Um, Love Alan's. So do I. You know what? My favourite lollies. I'll say it. Yeah. Yep. You go to a party and if there's not a bowl of Alan's lollies. If there's not a bowl of Alan's lollies, punch the host in the face. (laughs) And then leave. And then never speak to them again. (laughs) (laughs) That's some Aaron Payne advice. (laughs) Sock them in the teeth. Yeah, I've never seen Aaron throw a punch in his life, so. Please. It's probably because there's always Alan's lollies. Probably because there's always Alan's lollies at your parties. (laughs) And don't you forget it. (sighs) Oh. So we got one little, one last little bit of interesting information about this story. Yeah. Uh, there were two ma- two movies made about Julianne's story. Sure. One in 1974 and the second one, Wings of Hope in 1998. Wow. The interesting thing here, boy. Seen either of them? Nope. Didn't think so. Have you? No. <laughs> the interesting thing here, boy. Yeah. Is that the director of that film, of Wings of Hope, was actually meant to be on the flight, but had a last minute itinerary change. Wow. Small world, eh? Yeah. Incredible. Crazy. And now- James uh, Cameron was actually meant to be on the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> got him. Gag at me, boy. Another classic gag. You've got to get up pretty early to catch this. you got to get up pretty early to beat the, sa- the JSAB. Yep. Uh, uh, and now, boy, <laughs> can you edit in a little bit of a drum roll here for the uh, P 
person who holds the world, the Guinness World Record for the highest fall without a parachute? I'm not going to make any promises that I'll do that, but sure. Okay. Uh, coming in at a height of three, uh, three. Three yeah. feet. <laughs> it's John outside before <laughs> he jumped off the roof. That's a bit high. Three Ooh, feet. Jeez, he doubled his height. It's like jumping off the coffee table. <laughs> coming in with a height of- I can't believe he didn't break his ass. <laughs> Titanium ass. <laughs> Imagine that for a superpower. What's your superpower? Have a titanium ass. Just have a wombat ass. <laughs> Isn't that pretty much what Wolverine has? Like, is he? Well, yeah. I mean, that's adamantium. His, well, his whole body is, but yeah. I mean, it's wombat ass, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, wombats have really hard asses. Yeah, yeah. They, don't don't hit a wombat ass first with your car. I actually, uh, yeah, well, true. I actually believe that one of the ways they kill other animals is they squish them in their burrows with their ass. <laughs> Just. Iconic animal. Mascot of the show. And Let's say poo. that. Yeah. Have a hard right. ass. Cube, poops. cube poops. Yeah. Cube poops. So the, the world record height here is 33,330 feet or 10,150 meters. That's 10 kilometers. That's a long way up. That's so far up. Yeah. How, you're the space nut. Yeah. How far is the uh, atmosphere? Well, the line that most people agree is the edge of space is 100 Ks. Okay. So only 10% of the way. That's yeah. not. Okay. That's. We don't go very high in the atmosphere no. at all. But it's yeah. like I said, it seems very high when you're up there. Oh, yeah, because it is. But like compared to space, it's not. Uh, yeah. So Vesna Vulovic. Just for reference. person. Geostationary satellites are like 43,000 kilometers away. Wow. Yeah. It's very high. Yes. Not obviously the um, SpaceX satellites that. No. Fell They're out like the 120, 130. That fell out of the sky the other week were uh, not that high. Yeah, no. So 120, 130. I don't know. They're low. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, because they, what, 90% of them mm. crashed? Of that payload, yeah. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yep. So we're talking here about Vesna Vulovic. Yeah. On the 26th of January, 1972, Vesna had been working as a flight attendant for only eight months as she boarded JAT Flight 367. Yeah. Uh, as it had stopped over in Copenhagen. Have you heard of this one, boy? Uh, so I, know, I know you are a bit into your air crash investigations. I definitely am, yeah. No, I don't think I have. Okay. The flight took off at uh, quarter past three in the afternoon on its way to, is it Belgrade? Yeah. Yep. Uh, 46 minutes into the flight, disaster struck. At 4.01 p.m., an explosion went off in the baggage compartment of the McDonnell Douglas DC-9, and it broke apart at 33,000 feet. So it was a uh, terrorist bombing. Okay. Yeah. I just need to quickly correct myself too. It's 36,000 kilometers, not 40. Okay. For geostationary. Sure. Very upset with myself. And no one would have known. I couldn't go on knowing that okay. I'd done that. So Fair enough. All right. So McDonnell Douglas, gone boom. Yeah. Terrorist attacked. Yeah. Um, I, di- I didn't get into the politics of it, but yeah, it was um, definite, definite terrorist attack. A big no-no. Uh, investigators. Aaron and John say no to terrorism. Correct. So yeah, it broke apart and-, and um, Sorry, I'm just getting some news feeds. Um, all terrorist organizations have just, <laughs> just given I'm, up. I'm, They're like- Oh, I thought they were going to say they unsubscribed from Cheeky Tales. <laughs> no, all terrorist organizations disband. Oh, well, there you go. Cool. Power of Cheeky Tales. So, yeah, it, it broke apart. So there's um, like the tail section and midsection and all that, all different pieces come crashing down. Investigators attributed Vesna's survival to being pinned against the fuselage by a food cart. Nice. And the uh, part of the plane she, she was in landed at an angle in a heavily wooded snow-covered area. So, again- Trees snow saves snow. the day. Snaves. Yep. Saves. Snaves the snay. Snaves the day. <laughs> John Savage, word expert. 
Unfortunately, when the plane broke apart and depressurized, the other 27 passengers and flight crew were blown out of the aircraft. And again, Vesna was the only survivor of this crash. Yeah. One of the other things credited to Vesna's survival was her low blood pressure, <laughs> as it caused her to pass out quickly from the depressurization and it stopped her heart from bursting during the impact. Oh, jeez. Oh, I don't want to think about your heart bursting. Yeah, just from the impact. And yeah. Ugh. Just too much pressure, like, yeah. Too much pud. She was <laughs> She was well aware of her history with low blood pressure because- Too relaxed. I don't get that one. Oh, then you're stressed, high blood pressure. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. No, she was well aware of a low blood pressure. Okay. Uh, because she knew that she would fail the medical examination because mm. of it. So, therefore, she drank an excessive amount of coffee oh, before the examination to pass it. I like that. Yep. Guys, can we do this right now? Because I've got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So, the wreckage was found. I'm going to poop my pants <laughs> if you don't do this right now. Is that everyone? Is everyone- I get that real bad. Yeah. It's too much. Thanks. You need to know. Slurp, slurp. <laughs> yeah. Plop, plop. <laughs> Dump out like a parachute. <laughs> it's not the only time I've dumped out. So, the wreckage was found- uh, near Sabask Kements, a village in Czechoslovakia. Nice. She was found screaming, covered in blood, by an ex-World War II medic, Bruno Honk. Bruno? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he kept her alive until rescue was uh, arrived. Found screaming? Yeah, she was, yeah. Apparently- um, That's not how you want to be. Yeah, apparently she was yelling. Her three-inch stilettos were broken off and gone. Her nice turquoise blouse was covered in blood. Yeah, no, that's what you should be worried about. Your stilettos and your dress. Still pinned against the uh, side of the plane by the food cart. Oh, probably pissed off she couldn't get to the snacks. The snacks were right there. Probably couldn't reach them. That'd piss me off. Her injuries included a fractured skull, oh. two crushed vertebrae, oh. uh, and had broken several ribs, her pelvis, and both legs. Broke her ass. Okay. Who you care about? No wombat ass on this woman. <laughs> Uh, there are varying reports on how long she was in a coma for after go- going to hospital. Let's just say it was between 10 and 24 days. Okay. Uh, she was also temporarily paralyzed from the waist down and had amnesia uh, from an hour before boarding the plane till about a month afterwards, after the incident. Jeez. She spent about 16 months in hospital recovering. Vesna also became quite the celebrity. Yeah. And was celebrated as a national hero. I would imagine. Uh and that's it. That is wow. the end of all these amazing stories of survival from these eight people. Just incredible. Like I said, half half the interesting thing is what they did afterwards. Yeah. Like walking through. The, the, Amazon, the Amazon, Amazon one's it for me. Three months later, back in a plane, yeah. fighting. Just, just crashing through a glass ceiling. Like what? How do you? Whole new meaning to breaking the glass ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Just the wrong way. <laughs> Well, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> so yeah, that's it, boy. That's great uh, stories, boy. Good job. Oh man, yeah. I just I was very excited to tell you those because yeah, some of those stories are just like how how is this person still alive? alive? Yeah, I, actually, in saying that, I think the only person who is still alive is Julia. Bear Grylls. Oh no, and Bear Grylls, obviously. <laughs> um, Old Barbie. So for some reason, I thought Julianne was the only person, but no, it's Julianne Bear. And um, James. The first one? Yeah. Yeah. And possibly the second person. Christine. Okay, so four of them are definitely (laughs) alive still. (laughs) 
um, half the stories are still alive. Only. Uh, Ve- I know Vesna. She died when she was sixty-six a couple of years ago. Oh, um, and, and the uh, World War Two servicemen as well. I just said Rip like jokingly. She's actually dead. Yeah. That was pretty heartless. Yeah. Sorry. And it's a bit of a pun because we've been talking about parachutes all night. True. You know what? Staying in now. Oh, well, your call. You listen back to it. And- Good episode, boy. Thanks, boy. Uh, yeah, it was, I've been meaning to do this one a little, for a little while. Um, this was actually, I think, you wanted to do this at like episode two. Yeah. Like before you did Midway, you were like, oh, I think this is my story, you know. Yeah, because I, I knew Julianne's story. Yeah. And yeah. that was what kicked off finding the rest of them. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, that's just just an incredible tale of survival. It really is, yeah. Um, was there an aircraft investigations episode on it? If people want to look a bit more into it? I think so. There's been so many episodes, I can't yeah. remember. But, yeah, quite probably. Uh, well, anyway, yeah. go find Wings of Hope. Yep. The movie. I'm Give sure. that a stream. I'm sure that's out there somewhere. You want to pay for it so I can watch it on Amazon, boy, or...? No. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me of that again. Uh, do you want to do the wrap up this week? Well, you always do it. I always do. That's why I'm offering you. No, you're, you can do it. All right. So thanks for listening to Jiggy Tales. Dog seat. <laughs> uh, you can find us uh, on the socials at Cheeky Tales Pod. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you know I don't like Twitter. Hopefully you've already found us on our podcast sites where we, where we host a podcast or where the people host our podcast. Yep. Um, if you can give that a share word, through word of mouth, um, our listener base will grow. That would be great. We appreciate it. Share it with someone who likes flying. Someone who likes not breaking their ass. <laughs> someone who has a titanium so ass. Share it with someone with a titanium ass. Uh, Just share it. Yeah. It would be really good if you could share it. That'd be, that'd um, we, 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 we started yeah. off trying not to beg for that, but. It is, like, honestly, it's the only way that podcasts grow when they're this size. Um, And if it grows, then we can do more. Um, Share it with someone who works at Alan's Lollies. Please share it with all of your contacts at Alan's Lollies. (laughs) John and I can't make it clear enough that we love Alan's Lollies. Next episode is just going to be us going, just chewing. Mm, I love the flavour of Alan's Lollies. (laughs) Which flavour in particular, boy? The red frogs. Orange snakes. Orange snakes are probably the best snake. Yeah. I have become partial to green ones as I grow up. Interesting. Yeah. Bit of lime. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, we didn't actually get back into the NFL chat, did we? No. And, I like, it's it's late in the episode, but I think your pain should be shared. Mm. Uh, the, the Bengals sadly lost uh, in the late stages of the Super Bowl. Minute 40 to go. They lost by three points, was it? Yes. I'm not going to get into the officiating. We'll just leave that be. It was was not great. There was a lot of missed calls early in the game on both sides. Yep. And then some rubbish calls at the end. But you know what? They had their opportunities. They did. Uh, And I had a great time. I drank some delicious, expensive beer. Cool Ranch Doritos. It was a good game to watch. Uh, It it, was, yeah. It was the very entertaining sections of the game. Amazing halftime show. So good. Who expected Spider Scent? <laughs> That's right. Upside down. Fitty Scent. Fitty Man. Uh, a lot of people call him Dollar Fitty. He actually, no, to you be, know what? He's a middle aged man. No, yeah, like, to be fair, he looked good still. He looked fine. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't, he didn't look, he just like he's not 20 anymore. Yeah. Like, 
He, what are you going to do? He's a middle-aged man. He didn't look obese or anything like that. He's no. Just, he was just, just solid. And, like, you could tell that he didn't want to be hanging upside down, to be honest. <laughs> like, let's all be honest about sang, that bit. What, did he sing half the song upside down? Yeah. Something like that. And then he was having a good look at his dances. I did notice. Did you notice that? He was having I, a good look at his dances. I did not notice that, but I wouldn't be surprised yeah. with Fiddy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a good good game. Um, we had our little get-together, which was nice. Our traditional get-together. supporting my team. Yeah. That was nice. And they lost. And then we all went home. Yep. Sad. Sad. Anyway, now that we've finished- um, NFL chat. NFL chat. NFL wrap-up. This has been footy chat. Gridiron gobbings. <laughs> I don't know. I will not be on a podcast called Gridiron <laughs> Gobbings. What's a what's a, a word that starts with G that means talking? Gridiron gabbing? That, yeah, that's probably better. Gridiron gabs. Gobbing. Uh. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back in two, two weeks. weeks with Aaron's episode. Yeah, I've got a couple ideas. I haven't settled, settled on one yet. I'm sure I will, you know, fear as I write it. So <laughs> Two days before we record. Yeah, that'll be it. Anyway, I'll speak to you then. Bye. Bye. Little bit. Little bit. No, like I, I will openly admit to being a maths maniac. Uh, just not this season. I haven't, I haven't watched any of it this year. Do you ever debate it at work, the people? Uh, last year I did. There was people that were watching it last year and- so you We'd were, you were masturbating like, at work? <laughs> Set him up, knocked him down, got him. Uh, I, don't get, I, don't, I don't get the joke. Can you explain it? Can you explain that joke for me, please? No, you get it. I don't, actually. The look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I was very mad at you there. Little bit.